Hey, everybody. Welcome to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I'm so happy you're here with us. If you're just joining for the first time, I am a special needs mom, a special needs attorney, and a best-selling author. So please grab your coffee, and if you're like me, you might be listening in your car. I spent a lot of time in the car in my day. And please join us for some important discussions to help you thrive in this complex special needs world. Each week, we're going to chat with parents and experts, and sometimes parents who are experts, to offer compassionate advice for all stages of your life. These are the conversations you would have with your best friend if your best friend was an expert like me. Let's go. Hi, my friends. Welcome back to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I am so glad you've come back to listen again this week. If you are new to this podcast, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you found us. And I hope that you find this podcast and all of our content helpful and informative. And if you do, Certainly, I'm really hopeful that you will scroll down, leave a happy rating and review. We sure could use it. I think that you probably know by now if you listen to any podcasts at all, because we all beg you to leave these ratings and reviews, that the ratings and reviews are very instrumental in moving you up in the, uh, in the numbers chain so that people can find you, can find the content that they're looking for when they go searching for unique podcasts that are in their interest level. So um, it's been an interesting and exciting and wild, wild week. Uh, So many things have happened. I am certainly not going to be able to tell you all of them. But um, one of my friends and colleagues reached out to me and let me know that she had finally read my book. And when she was reading it while she was on vacation, a little white butterfly was flitting around her as she was laying out in the sun and reading the book. And I just got goosebumps. Um I know that was Elizabeth visiting her and letting her know that she was there and it was so cool that she was reading the book um, and and just kind of cheering her on. And I, of course, see a little yellow butterfly all the time. Elizabeth visits me all the time. If you haven't read my book, that's okay. But um In my book, I talk about um, Elizabeth as a butterfly because she does visit me now that she's passed in the form of a butterfly. And um, when Elizabeth was alive, butterflies used to come to her and land on her. It was just weird and wild the way that she had this this strange um, relationship with butterflies. Anyway, she loved them and they loved her and um, butterflies were one of her favorite things to decorate with and wear on her clothing. And uh, it was just it was just cool. Anyway, that was that was one cool thing this week. Things at work are heating up a lot and things are very busy. My inbox in my email is just overflowing and hard to keep up with and Um, And 
it's been just one thing after another. So um, all at one and the same, filled with tons of gratitude and also my head is pounding day after day after day. So um, I had a wonderful podcast session to present to you today and I'm super excited about it because it is on the topic of communication, a topic near and dear to my heart and a good friend, Randy Sargent is here. She is somebody who I have known off and on through the years Um, and Randy is a parent who has solved her own problem and while doing so has solved a lot of other people's problems as well. And this is something that I love to highlight on this podcast. And from day one, I started out with this idea of not only having professionals on this podcast, but having parents and other family members on this podcast who have been creative and who have who also might be professionals, but who have taken an idea and have just run with it, whether they have started a business or created some kind of a tool or some kind of a product that they've sold. I have wanted to use this podcast as a way to highlight that because parents and family members have been, for me, throughout my life with my daughter Elizabeth, with my children, both of them, have been the main source of the best information possible. And um, communication was a significant source of frustration for me in trying to get Elizabeth launched, in trying to create a world for her. And we never quite got to an excellent communication model with her where she was able to initiate communication. We were always able to present her with some choices, but it was about what choices we thought she wanted, not what she was able to tell us she wanted to choose from. So you're going to hear Randy and I talk about that on this podcast today. We'll have all of Randy's contact information in the show notes. Randy actually started a company after she created something called Say It With Symbols. And now she's on to a new project, which is even more fascinating. So I hope that you enjoy meeting Randy. I hope that you enjoy learning more about communication models. And I hope that if you have an idea or you're doing something really cool and fascinating that you will reach out to me. I would love to have you on the podcast. Um, You can absolutely uh, contact me on all of our social media. Go to specialneedscompanies.com, fill out the little message that pops up and let us know, get in touch. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter and Facebook and any other way that, um, that, any of our social media channels and let us know that you want to be on the show. I would love to have you. I'd love to highlight something cool and interesting that you're doing. I find 
that again, parents are parents and family members are the best source of information, the best source of fascinating resources out there. I thank you all so much for listening, and I thank you all so much for what you're doing. Now, here's Randy. Here we go. Okay, welcome back, podcast fans. This is Annette Hines, your host of Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So happy today to have an old friend, Randy Sargent, with me. And Randy's here to talk about a subject near and dear to my heart because all of you who have been listening and thank you back um, know that my beautiful daughter Elizabeth was a nonverbal kid. And um, what does that mean to be nonverbal? Well, um, it means something different to you know to different people. But for Elizabeth, that meant that. Because she had a brain injury at birth, she was not able to physically communicate to us um, with her voice, but um, she could make sounds. So for her, she was able to vocalize, but not able to actually make words. She was also intellectually disabled. So um, it was not always clear to us what she understood from a receptive language ability as well. So trying to figure out uh, how to develop a communication system with her was just an ongoing process. So um, like I said, being nonverbal opened up just a whole new world for us. And and this world of communication um, meant to me that, you know, we had to talk about what meaningful communication was. So I'm super excited to talk to Randy today about meaningful communication and meaningful communication process. And, um, and so Randy is somebody who has started out her life um, as a, a parent and a professional. And uh, Randy, I want to, like always, just congratulate you and thank you for being somebody who has just seen that something um, wasn't available to us and you just decided to get started and create something. So welcome to the show, Randy. How are you? I am well. Thank you, Annette, for inviting me to talk to your all your podcast friends. Thank you. Can you tell us just a little bit about who you are? Tell us about yourself and your family and your background. Sure. Um, You know, I started out my career obviously before children and I worked for many years in publishing, print publishing and digital media. And uh, we had the lovely opportunity to move to London and I went there and my beautiful son was born there in the UK um, with no family or friends around. It was all very exciting until about 10 months when he started not to meet his developmental milestones. And we went through that whole you know, heart-wrenching process of trying to figure out what his disability was and using the national health system and and private insurance. And uh, eventually, uh, when he was young, he was giving a a diagnosis of cerebral palsy for no obvious reason. He's one of those kids, just things happen. It wasn't a brain injury or anything like that. Um, And we lived in the UK for about three years and came back to the States at that point. just because we missed our family and things. And then I had another, I have a lovely, also lovely daughter who is starting college this year. And uh, it's been an interesting year for, 
COVID wise for both of my kids. My right. husband and I have been fine, excuse me, but for the kids, for it, it's had a real impact on them, but. Right, right. Oh, the COVID year. Yes. Talking about this for generations to come, the COVID year. So I try to tell my daughter that, but, you know, so we're memorializing all of her, you know, double graduation events and all the things that she's had. But um, so, you know, funny enough, when even though my son wasn't diagnosed with anything, I happened to live literally right down the street. Our flat was right down the street from a special needs nursery. And that's where he went to a very intensive special needs nursery starting at about uh, a year or uh, between one and two, maybe. And that's where we got introduced not to uh, using picture symbols, but also Makaton, um, which is kind uh, kind of a sign language. We don't we don't do Makaton here, but it's, uh-huh. it's some basic sign language things. And so he um, he is also non-speaking with an intellectual disability as well as physical disability. He's definitely with us. I mean, he understands everyday conversations. He's now 24 years old. And he's living in a group home, finally, with um, a couple of other individuals. And uh, he's among us. You know, he understands conversation and he can make choices and communicate. But, you know, as Annette said, being nonverbal is really, really hard. I mean, we've had intervention from speech pathologists and AAC professionals literally since he was two. Okay, so stop with the... Stop with the um, with the alphabet soup, what's A is Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> augmentative communication, augmentative and alternative communication. Um, from the low tech, which is considered just hard copy pictures, yeah. all the way up to high tech, expensive insurance paid, dynamic display, you know, electronic computer devices. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's used the whole range of those things with varying success. But we always come back to low-tech communication. For him, that just works. He's kind of a visual guy. He likes picture Mm -hmm. books. He likes pictures. He can make choices. Um, So we use a lot of pictures to communicate with him. And that's how I got into my Say It With Symbols um, business. You know, I purchased a copy of picture-making software called BoardMaker very early on. Where we all started with the board maker. That's right. And they still use that. I mean, uh, different, the software looks different now, but board maker is still very much active in schools. Um, Because the symbols are universal, right? And there's thousands of them. I mean, there are so many symbols and board maker makes varying flavors now of symbols, you know, in different languages and ones that are more appropriate for teens and you know it's really uh the whole explosion of digital communication devices has really expanded their exposure um so you know we have a house full of communication boards all over the place and as my son was you know transitioning to an older age kid we realized i realized at least that there was really nothing sort of off the shelf for adults with communication challenges. Um, As most of you know, um, if your children are receiving special ed services, they have speech pathologists. Uh, He he or she may have an IEP that requires speech therapy and augmentative communication support services, but all that literally ends when they turn 22 and leave school. Um, Certainly there are augmentative communication and speech professionals out there, but it's not technically their job to make communication books. You know, they can be really 
time suck. I mean, it's, it's very time consuming to make those kind of books. So as I was looking for, you know, new options for him to communicate, I quickly learned there's really nothing out there for adults. And I launched sayitwithsymbols.com about 10 years ago. Um, it's, it's morphed a lot. I mean, it was primarily low-tech communication aids for children on, uh, with autism spectrum disorders. And uh, as my customers started asking me and telling me, you know, my son, my husband had a stroke. My husband yeah. has Huntington's disease. My husband has ALS. Um, I, I realized there's really nothing out there for them. Um, I just, I want to preempt, I, I'm not an alternative an speech pathologist or an AAC expert. I am just, I, I call myself a parent advocate. Right. Um, so I do want to say that I don't diagnose people. The products that I make on sayitwithsymbols.com are irrelevant of diagnosis. So they're not for any specific kind of user. They can be used by anyone. And if you have any questions about what kind of augmentative systems your individual should use, you, you should get uh, an evaluation from a speech right. pathologist and, an, an and AA, preferably an AAC specialist if you have access to one. So you, you need to work with your clinician and then the clinician can work with you to develop whatever they um, need. Well, I make kind of off the shelf things. Um, so I make my two most popular items actually. Um, what I realized was kids like my son, people who have just had strokes. Now, um, Annette, you probably know that even if you've lived with your daughter, if she ever had surgeries and things and she comes home, yeah. How scary that is. My yeah. son had very major orthopedic surgery at one point, yes. and we were petrified. We didn't both know what hips. to do with him. We had right? both done legs, heel cords. Yep, we knees. had all that too. It's They come home and with this acute, and you, it's really, really difficult. So imagine what it's like for families, um, and it actually happened in my family. My mother had a pretty severe stroke and um, lost her ability to speak. Uh, aphasia, very severe aphasia. And it's very, so there's that trigger point sort of where caregivers and family don't know what to do with somebody who can't communicate if they're in pain or if they need medication. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we both experienced that. Um, and then imagine new families who have someone who has a stroke or, you know, loses their ability to speak because of Huntington's or whatever. Um, so my products are kind of off the shelf, um, but you know I'm saving them hours and hours of time of having to make these communication books themselves. Um, Which is amazing because they're already in crisis mm -hmm. and they need to take care of their family member themselves and do other things. So Yes, yes. and then yeah. they're worrying about, especially in a crisis or an acute incident, how are you feeling? Does it hurt? You know, do you need more medication? What can I do for you? You know, um, and especially for new caregivers, um, it can be very emotionally challenging. So I created these uh, series of products that are really focused on communicating about caregiving and health. And okay. so that's, that's basically what it is. It's sayitwithsymbols.com. And there's the three most popular sections are, you know, uh, communication aids for healthcare, for seniors and adults, and for professionals, because I do work with a lot of speech pathologists and occupational therapists who recommend our stuff.
So, so I, I love um, interviewing parents, moms and dads alike, who have gone off and invented something new because they, out of necessity, they knew that there was this gap. They needed it. They recognized that there was nothing out there. to. They looked for it out in the marketplace. It didn't exist. So they created it. It's awesome. I've, I have interviewed on this podcast over the last almost year that I've been doing this. So many parents who have just gone out and created something new. It's been fantastic. Mothers of necessity, you know. Right, right. Actually, it's been all moms, coincidentally enough. Yeah. But um, I think it's just a coincidence. Um, <laughs> but seriously, so excited to talk to you about this because just this is just another example of you needed something. It wasn't there. So you, you decided to just yeah. create it. And I have all the tools. I mean, I left, I have like a studio in my, it's in my office, you know, with every kind of picture software you can imagine. So I decided, you know, but not everybody has that interest or that ability to make all this stuff. So um, when I created the products for Say It With Symbols, I very much said, these products are for adults, you know, any age, you know, 22 and up. So not only do they have to deal with adult appropriate topics, but they have to be adult appropriate pictures. So I actually don't wow. use board maker in my pictures. Because those um, are really kid they, they look preschool-ish. Yeah. And particularly for someone new to losing their speech, that's infantilism, you know, like they feel like they're going back to using cartoons. Um, so I use another picture set from the UK. A lot of stuff is from the UK. Um, they, mm-hmm. I think they're way ahead of us and it's a small country. So, oh, you know, they're way ahead of us in some areas. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that that's that's what distinguishes my products from the gazillions of board makers and special what special educators use. The topics are related to communicating about health, communicating about caregiving, activities of daily living, socializing, visit with friends, activities for adults, um, things like that. And by far, my two most popular are you know a portable book that I make. Um, it, it's actually in a photo album and it, it's not a kid thing. It does, you know, it's not red, blue or orange, you know, or yellow. It's cordovan and brown, you know, it, so it looks like an adult product. Um, and that's kind of a pocket size thing that you can put in a wheelchair bag or a purse, but it's got all the pre-made communication boards in it. Um, uh-huh. and with room to customize. So it's very important motivation wise to make sure that that individual has the things that he or she wants to talk about in it not just can i get you something to drink you know so i design these so that they can expand communication and put additional boards in and things that are relevant to them their families and things no i i realize that you are doing that mostly individualized for families um or that you you can do that individualized for families. But I'm really curious, have you expanded or have you had interest in selling these products to institutions like hospitals and nursing homes and group homes and with all of your connections in the adult world? Um, Because one would hope that those professionals would want to have that level of communication as well. Mm -hmm. 
Certainly, you know, I'm a very small business. It's just just me, and um, I don't have marketing staff. I'm working on that. I do need to hire some marketing help. Um, so I rely help get the word out. But. That's right. Anybody with you know social media, electronic marketing, contact me. Um, you know, it's primarily been by you know word of mouth, uh, social. Um, you know, Google, Google is my friend, you know, people searching communication aids for stroke, you know, um, mostly caregivers. However, I do also uh, have my products in nursing homes for sure, rehab facilities. Um, I'm working on one chain, a small chain of nursing homes here that I'm hoping to collaborate with to make a series of videos because they love my product there. Um, so there, I have a ways to go in the marketing, you know, a long way to go on that one. I'm just at the tip of the iceberg on this. Um, but I'd like to add, um, I'm, am, I'm adding something new. So I thought I'd mention that because, again, it's something that's not available widely in the U.S. Um, I recently became certified to be a talking mats practitioner. And talking mats is a communication modality out of the, out of Scotland. I, I can't help my UK affiliation, maybe because my <laughs> son has a British birth certificate, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a picture-based, simple, really, way to com- help individuals with communication challenges, not just nonverbal, but someone who can't express themselves, um, using pictures to um, talk about their feelings and well-being, and particularly during times of transition. So the COVID situation uh, is, you know, an important time for that. Um, they they yeah. use this in the UK um, to help children, you know, transitioning in school, and adults use it of all all kinds. So. Um, for some reason, it hasn't caught hold much in the US. So I think because they recently came out with a digital version and now with COVID, you know, we don't have access to people's homes. I can't go there and do a talking mat session with them, but they did make a digital version available. So that's why I became interested in this. So I took their course and uh, I'm now a certified practitioner. And because it's digital, I can do it anywhere, really. A person has to have a laptop or an iPad, but uh, I'm still working that out. So I'm hoping to launch that this uh, starting September. Um, I will be looking for volunteers to work with because I need to get good at it. Um, But it's a really, um, it's called Talking Mats, and it can be very eye-opening when people use pictures and organize them under columns. I like, I don't like, how does it go? There's a scale at the top and it says, going well, I don't know, um, not going well. So individuals basically sort these pictures and you can use anything you want to, and they'll tell you about my life in my group home. How's the food at the group home? It's good, you know, and of course, you know, the reliability of the individual, but it's, it's their perspective. So that it's, and it's their board, their mat. So they're allowed to say what they want. I've had parents look at it and said, that's not really true. Well, that's how they express themselves. So um, it's really an interesting way. Uh, I know from working with my son, even though we had IEP goals that say work on feelings and emotions, he has no way to express that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it's very frustrating. I mean, it has, if people can't express that, they become very passive, you know, like, oh, I'm not even going to bother. So this is a way where individuals at any age, uh, any diagnosis, again, it, it fit that criteria of mine. You don't have to have a stroke. You don't have to have an intellectual disability. You can use these tools right, by anyone. And um, and with the digital version, it's nice because you can snap a picture of the script of their mat, and you yes. can share that. And I put it into a nice little report form. And I said, um, I recently I used it with a family friend of ours. The daughter um, has a disability and is a wheelchair user and an AAC user, and the mom has MS. And she's wow. um, actually I take that back. She doesn't have MS, but she has some neurological issues and had surgery and has physical disabilities now. Okay. So she was able to say, you know, here's the snapshot of how I'm feeling about my physical abilities at this time. And we'll redo it in another two months and say, oh, look, you know, your walking has gone from this to this. You know, you can really see a progression, right. Uh, right. how they're feeling about right. it. So I'm very excited about this. Uh, as far as I know, there's one other practitioner, a speech pathologist in New Jersey who uses it in her toolkit, but um, I'm really looking forward to rolling that out, certainly in Massachusetts. Um, so you'll start hopefully reading a, you know, a call yeah. for volunteers because I need to build, you know, get good at it, so. Well, that, you know, that's great because anything that we can add to our communication repertoire is awesome in my book. Mm -hmm. we, we need to keep trying to find ways to access people any way that we can. We have to access people. One of our biggest challenges is finding ways for people to have, uh, to be able to express themselves and to be able to, um, to not just for us to put words in their mouths, right. you know, so to speak, um, for people to be able to initiate communication. That's always been such a barrier for people who are intellectually disabled and nonverbal um, that, you know, initiating communication and having a wide variety to choose from. For my daughter, you know, putting a, uh, switch in front of her with three choices. So, you know, what if she doesn't want to choose between those three things? Right. You know, I can choose anything I want to eat, but she only gets to choose between an apple, a raisin, and peanut butter, you know, like, wh what is that all about? Um, so, you know, I love what you're doing. Of course, I really love and admire you. And I want to talk to you about, but I really want to make sure that we talk to our audience about why why communication is so important, why we're so passionate about it. And the driving force behind all of this is really about um, people's human rights and about making sure that we are really including people's um, getting to the heart of people's self-determination independence mm -hmm. and bringing people's uh, choices to the forefront. And of course, you know, with COVID and everything, um, communication has just been shut down. And there's so much to talk about here. And I know we're going to run out of time, which is really annoying to me all the time with my podcast. But 
but in the you know 15 minutes that we have to talk about this can we can we just talk sure. about why this is so important to us yeah to um you know when you talk about for, in the developmental disability community there is a lot of discussion and movement toward person-centered practices and I commend not only the individual practitioners who are doing this, but now there are, uh, the ARC is involved, uh, our De Department of Developmental Services is involved, and I really um, applaud them for this movement toward that. Um, but they've kind of left out those individuals who cannot speak because, you know, I'm doing it now with uh, charting the life course, um, which is a wonderful, it's charting the life course.com. I think if anybody is interested in those tools, it's really a wonderful, uh, framework for developing a, a, a future, I guess. Um, again, it can be used in any situation for any kind of transition, not just people with intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. But as I go through this, because my son can't, doesn't developmentally have abstract thinking, really. Right. Um, and he can't communicate. It's basically my, and people who know him, you know, there's a group of us, I mean, who have had input into it, what we think as adults. So that's why I think that tools like talking mats are so essential because there's no other way for him. I have to break it down into very specific topics, but right. then he could communicate do you want to work? Do you volunteer? You know, like that thing. So I, I'm not digressing on that. That's the importance of communication in person-centered planning, that the person has a voice in what they want. And some of the tools, I mean, are just not there. It's really hard to find transition-related tools for individuals. There's trend at, at some point, I think even on my Pinterest page, and I'll mention that in a minute, I think I have a list of transition tools that are picture-based for nonverbal, but I had to dig those oh, up cool. over the years, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and not also, too many people know about that. So don't forget, um, you know, I mentioned this to you before we sat down for this recorded interview, but we have listeners all over the world. We actually have quite a lot of listeners in, um, in the UK and hmm. in Ireland. Oh, wow. Well, and all over, um, all over the world in other English-speaking countries as well. That's great. So, so I'm going to give a, a plug to something that I've developed recently uh, because of the COVID crisis, and that is uh, communic healthcare communication aids. And there are a, quite a bit of them in many different languages. So I had repeated customers, you know, emailing me and. Uh, looking for communication boards in different languages. Um, yes. In fact, it made the NBC or ABC one of the news stations here uh, because, you know, uh, COVID patients on ventilators are not able to communicate. Um, um, it sort I of brought picture communication right up to the, the news, the six o'clock news. Um, yes. So oh, I developed a Pinterest page and even if you're not a Pinterest user, I chose that because it's open to anyone and it's picture-based. It really, it's really gotten kind of huge. Um, there are two boards there that will be of interest to COVID users. Uh, I mean, people who work with COVID patients or loved ones who have COVID. One is healthcare communication boards. Um, 
There's lots of them listed in different languages. Some are free, some you can download. They're wow. very much oriented toward health, you know, like inpatient health, but mm-hmm. that's okay. You can use them at home or in the hospital. Uh, the other one is COVID social stories, which, you know, very generously uh, individuals and organizations who work with uh, individuals on the spectrum have created social stories, if you're familiar with those, which are uh, either simply told or picture-based stories describing a a scenario and what's going to happen. And for people with ASD and perhaps intellectual disabilities, the why aren't I at school anymore? Um, Why do I have to wear a mask? The hand-washing procedure, all the, the safety and health protocols that have been in place need to be explained and instructed to people. So I don't know, there's probably 30, 40 different links to social stories. Yeah. Uh, why you have to wear a mask, that's a big one. My son hates to wear a mask. The only, hey, I was really impressed. We took him for a haircut a few weeks ago and uh, he wouldn't wear a mask going into the salon, but he would wear it for the hairdresser. So he <laughs> wore a bandana, model citizen, you know? So. But these social stories really help individuals with intellectual disabilities understand why they have to do certain things, particularly around COVID. So if you have pencil, it's uh, Pinterest.com. I guess it's backslash say it with symbols. And there are show notes. Pardon me? Oh, we'll post it on our show notes for everybody. you don't need these boards are all public. You don't need a Pinterest account uh, to view them. And there's boards on COVID healthcare. There's boards on COVID social stories. And mm-hmm. then there's all the other boards. You know, communication aids for activities of daily living, for mealtime and prep. Um, there's just so many ways to use visuals. And I've made this selection of things. This is you know my recommended selections, but they're definitely for a some of the social stories are for kids because that's where they come from. Right. But um, other than that, they're pretty much visual supports aimed at adult activities. So I encourage anyone to do that. Um, many of the things on there are free. Um, some are, and none of them are high tech. I mean, you know, expensive items. They're all low tech. Of course, my products are listed on there as well. And right. some other people's products that are on there, but that um, I'm I'm really proud of it. It's got a lot of viewers, like forty six thousand viewers or something. It's Thank been you really so much for sharing that because you know being willing to put that out there for people to be supportive and help during this crisis time. That's just wonderful. Well, over these years, I've become a true fountain of knowledge, you know, like, and I said, you know what, this Pinterest opportunity is a really great place for me. To put this, I mean, people ask, do you have this uncertain language? And I'd have to, you know, look through all my notes and where do I get a communication board in, you know, whatever language. Um, I do have some in Spanish. There's a board on that. So it was a really good place to organize a whole host of visual supports that are, you know, easily available. So I encourage you to check out that. And then, of course, my website, sayitwithsymbols.com. Well, heck. That's why we're talking to you now. Thanks. So as we're chatting about um, trying to understand why communication is so important, you know, it brings me back to thinking about 
I, I sit on a human rights committee for one of our organizations here that serves a large number of people in my catchment area. And although we're sitting in Massachusetts, again, I'm thinking globally about the US and then, you know, although in Europe and around the world, they have different systems for serving people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, as well as um, older adults who, you know, may have other um, brain injuries or other um, health issues going on. Certainly, there are um, there are lots of um, there are lots of organizations that are serving them, and lots of people like me who sit in the role of a citizen advocate, right? So, in the in my role on this human rights committee, I'm the attorney watchdog, the volunteer attorney watchdog who is there to review cases and review situations to make sure that people's human rights are protected. Sometimes people's um, human rights need to be um, curbed in order to um, protect them. And we have to look at that to make sure that there's a balance there, you know, that if they need their doors alarmed that that's for their safety and that you know somebody's reviewing that to make sure that there there's a balance there and there um lots of lots and lots of things going on right so you know a lot of times i notice that there's a lot of um in, imposing of will onto people without communicating with them you know, as in, um, you know, some, somebody was telling me this story about, um, you know, the, having a gentleman needing to request coffee, um, wanting to have a, another cup of coffee, and the coffee was locked up in the office. And he, he needed to come and ask for a second cup of coffee and a third cup of coffee. And you know, why would he need to ask for coffee in his own home, right? And and can you imagine needing to ask to have coffee in your own home? Hmm. Like, you know, what's your favorite thing to eat? Would you Would you need to ask for your spouse or your children or your whoever for, you know, your favorite thing to eat? And so, it, this whole idea around, you know, communication being this um, level playing field, needing, having somebody asking for permission or having the communication be equal and making it complex communication and making the communication always be around asking for things and always be around like a request rather than a conversation um, has always been something that I've been thoughtful about as well. I know this is kind of a longer conversation, but yeah, it, well, it, you know, maybe Annette, you and I can work together um, and create a board on, 
related to human rights. I, I don't know what that would be, but you're, you're, you see more of that than I do. I see a little bit of kind of ridiculousness in, in group homes, but. You know, I, I just wanted to, I, I, as we are running out of time, I just wanted to raise that as, you know, sometimes when I see communication devices, they're always about like, oh, you know, asking for things. So it's always yeah. about like, yeah. oh, what do you want now? You know, what do you want now? It's always about asking for things. It's not about like having a communi having a dialogue and having a conversation. And um, I don't know. It just, again, it, it, it feels like um, keeping people in that um, in inferior kind of relationship with the people that are caring for them. So anyway, on that kind of note, um, I wanted to ask you if you could leave us with a couple of tips for our families and our caregivers out there when it comes to communication and during these difficult times. What, what do you think um, you'd like to leave us with as one or two you know, really key thoughts. The main, again, my focus has been on communicating regarding caregiving things. So, uh, you know, you want to talk to your speech pathologist if you truly want to get into communication devices that uh, people can comment and expand their vocabulary. But from the caregiver perspective, I think uh, there are two points. One, choices are empowering. Mm -hmm. I watched my mother go from a vibrant, strong-willed woman to someone who would not get out of bed because she mm. had a pretty severe stroke and lost her ability to communicate. And have that, having that, um, as you said, having to ask for everything, um, right. you know, was really challenging. So giving people, having tools like, like my big picture caregiver book actually available to offer choices to people about the, what they want to wear, what mm -hmm. they want, you know, bathing is a particular issue. We go through this with my son, shaving, bathing, doesn't want to do it. Really challenging for people with dementia as well. Right. Well, they're not able to communicate what it is that they don't like about the shower. Yeah. So we have choice boards, okay? The objective is to get them clean. You don't really care, or I don't, if they have a bath, a sponge bath, or a shower. Right. Offer them those choices. Choice. So that's why I made these communication books, because Got caregivers, it. whether it's a professional caregiver or a family caregiver, will have, their job will be easier if you have empowered them to make a choice about their care. Mm -hmm. So in particularly areas are, you know, eating what they want, um, dressing. Don't pick, I always, I say that to my yeah. son. My son is a pretty fastidious dresser, I have to say. He's very picky about what shirts he wears. So he always has a choice. Unfortunately, he can get into the drawer, right? Where the, his Star Wars t-shirts are and he'll pick out the one he wants. So choices are very empowering. And the second point is, finding those motivating things that the individual wants to talk about. Because ah. if you impose a book upon them that says, tell me right. this, that, and they don't really care, exactly. you're not going to have as much success with that. So when you're using picture communication with someone, I would recommend starting with things you know are motivating to them. So That's we have a page so in there powerful. on people I want to see. Yes. I want you to call my son. I want this. I want that. You know, like 
whatever it is, if the person is really into movies, you know, have a movie page. Um, so you're going to get more buy-in, not only with the individual, but with their caregivers. Right. If they see that the person wants to use this book. And the way there to do know. that is to use those things where they really feel strongly and are motivated to communicate. So yes, two things, offering choice. So it's empowering. Otherwise, they become reticent to make any communication because they know it doesn't make any difference. And, and two, choose the topics that are motivating to that individual. So I think those are the things for getting early success with using communication aids of any right. kind. Right. That, that is a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying, what I was feeling as far as getting to the choice issue and also not imposing your will on people for what you think they should be talking about. Right. I, so when people ask me, what does Graham want? What's the first thing I should say? Ask him. That's mm -hmm. what I say. Don't ask me. Graham can make a choice. Even if you do it with fingers, you know, you want this or this, he can make a choice. Always offer a choice. So, right. and while choice making is kind of step one in the process, as you said, it's not commenting and it's not, you know, them sort of commenting and socializing in a larger world. It is very empowering to their mental health to be able to have some control over what's happening to them. Right, right. Randy, this has been such a great conversation. So I'd love to have another conversation with you that's <laughs> a little deeper. And I can't wait to see what happens with talking mats. Yeah. So, so as you get up and going, please stay in touch about that and let me know, you know, your progress. Okay? Thank you. And thanks for having me, Annette. And I know, you know, this is a topic that's near and dear to you when you get it. So oh, I really so. appreciate you. <laughs> Uh, allowing me to come in and speak about it because, you know, it's us parents who are, you know, often the motivators behind these things. So as you said, Oh, I'm crazy inspired by you. So <laughs> thank you for being on and for letting us know, you know, what inspires you and everything that you've been able to do. So I just love it. I love it. Thank awesome. you so much. Randy. Thank you. Afternoon. Talk to you and soon. You. Bye now. Hey everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.